chapter 9, as we continue now in our, as our study of the evangelistic messages that the prophet Isaiah preached. Now, I hope that uh, your heart is prepared. Uh, well, many times my wife will ask me, what are you preaching on uh, Sunday morning? And she tries to uh, have a song that uh, pretty well uh, introduces or gets us in the mood for the message. And so use the offertory as a time of preparing your heart and asking God to speak to our heart uh, through, the wor- through his word. Um, <clears throat> and I praise the Lord that uh, my house is f- filled with music all the time because my wife always playing the piano. Now, sometimes uh, here I'm trying to listen to a ball game or something like that, and she'll start playing the piano. But, uh, you know, so even with that, I'll uh, put up with it. But uh, no, I, I love it. And so uh, it's great to, to have... Uh, a piano. I, I bought her. We got a piano. I think. Uh, let's see. We were already almost thirty years married before I ever got her a piano. That we had an old clunker, and that's the worst thing that it did. I should have bought her a piano on our honeymoon. But uh, what a blessing it has been to have uh, my wife playing and uh, preparing services and pre- preparing our hearts uh, over the years. Uh, Some people come and listen to her play rather than me preach. But uh, Isaiah chapter 9 then, and we'll begin reading in verse 1. Nevertheless, the the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed. And when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterwards more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Um, in Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of the harvest. As men rejoice when they divide the spoil, you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of uh, his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. For every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and the garments rolled in blood will be used for the burning and fuel of the fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of his increase, uh, of the increase of his government and the peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with just, judgment and justice, from that time forward and even forever, the zeal of the Lord of Hosts will perform this. Now, Father, we will we pray that you would bless now the reading and the preaching of your holy word this morning. We thank you, Lord, for that great hope that we have within us, that we will see the light of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ, one day face to face. We thank you, Lord, that no matter what happens on earth, we realize that uh, better days are coming for those who trust you. Lord, we do live in a day, and we, as Isaiah preached, to a people that were walking in darkness, people who were bound uh, 
and even loving the darkness. Oh, Father, how we pray that uh, you would break the chains of evil upon this nation. We think, Lord, of the sadness that we see of people that are that uh, we have problems and yet the, the cures that they proclaim are worse than the problem themselves because they know not what, what they stumble. Oh, Father, how we pray that the healing that only comes from you would affect this nation, that your people call by your name. If we will humble ourselves and pray and seek your face and turn from our wicked ways, then you will hear from heaven. Lord, bring your people back to yourself. We, Lord, we realize that this nation is not uh, like Israel. We're not a theocracy. But Lord, we are the salt of the earth. And how we pray, Father, that uh, as Christians, that we will season this, this nation. We see all kinds of influences. We see all kinds of dangers that are upon so many voices that are leading us astray. Oh Lord, we pray that the voice of truth will be proclaimed and many shall see it and fear and shall trust in you. Bless now, Lord, in these last days as we look forward to you coming again. Oh, as we enter the uh, Christmas season, as we enter the, the, the holiday season of Thanksgiving and Christmas, may our hearts be turned to you and may Jesus Christ be praised. For we pray in Jesus' holy and precious name, amen. You know, it, uh, it's been said that God brings his people into such a condition as to know not what to do in order to teach us what he can do. So many times God puts us in a position where we just don't know. And that's where he can step in. You think about what did uh, Moses know what to do when he had the Red Sea on one side and the Egyptian army on the other. But uh, you, know, you look at all the different things that happen in Scripture and where God puts us many times in impossible situations just to show us that he can deliver us. How would you like to be with the Lord out on a boat? And he's asleep. The creator of the universe is asleep on a boat and the winds and waves are tossing around. That must have been very confusing for his disciples. And all he had to do was sit up and say, peace be still. Why? Because he was God. And the whole universe obeys him. Because he created it. What manner of man is this that even the winds and the seas obey him? And so we have a God that knows our every struggle. He knows our every care. And no matter how dark the world gets, as it was here with the children of Israel, and we look back at um, these last days now before the northern tribes are going to be totally destroyed and the southern tribes are going to be wiped out and only Jerusalem is going to, uh, um, to be delivered. And of course, uh, that takes a supernatural event with uh, the Lord destroying the Assyrian army of 185,000 overnight. And so God put uh, Israel or put uh, Jude, Jerusalem and the, the city I, that Isaiah is talking about right now into that impossible situation just so that he could show what he could do. But we see that he is leading up to this and, and 
Isaiah is preaching to the people. And of course he's preaching. He said, they're going to hear you, but they're not going to hear. They're going to see, but they're not going to see. They're not going to listen to what you say. Isaiah, I'm asking you to preach to a nationwide audience and yet you're going to be a failure. Boy, what prospect is that? It's what we see that Isaiah does what he faithfully does. And of course, we call him the prince of the prophets today because he's his got the most memorable passages in all scripture with his just tremendous prose and poetry that he could write. But back in verse 19, of course, we saw of chapter 8 that we say that uh, they were seeking mediums and wizards and whisper, the whispers, and they were going to, they were channeling the dead people, necromancy, all those different things. People look for advice. How many advice columns? How many, when you walk to a bookstore, how many how-to books can you get or find? How many you get on the internet? How to do this, how to do that, how to have a happy life. And people are making all kinds of money off the how-to industry. And yet, the more how-to books we have out there, folks, it seems like the deeper and deeper we sink into our problems. We got more marital counseling books out there than uh, uh, today than probably all the world ever had put together up to this time. And yet, marriages are falling apart. We got all kinds of how-tos, and yet we're sinking deeper and deeper into darkness. Our government now, uh, just a sidelight. Uh, I read something the other day. We're thinking, we got, uh, praise the Lord for one thing. We got, a, we just had a man in high office that is now an un, is a declared Christian. And he's a speaker of the House of Representatives. Now I hope he is. And of course, I don't make mention of that because every time I do, the people disappoint me. So I don't put my faith in man. But at the same time, but, you, but you can tell something about him because of all the attacks that are already going against him. He's going to take us back into the 50s or whatever. Well, praise the Lord, maybe somebody needs to, you know, or whatever. But, uh, uh, but he's, a, he's a, a self-proclaimed child of God. And he's willing to allow people to know that. And my, the attacks that are coming on him. Well, we want to pray for him. But then another thing I heard this past week was kind of interesting. The only uh, playoff team in baseball that did not have one of these gay pride events or transgender things where they had all the gay people come in was the very team. There was only one team in the whole playoffs that didn't do it. And they were the ones who won the World Series. And so, you know, I really, just things like that, you know, is, it, is God, God doing that? I don't know. I, you know, I don't want to, because the next time, you know, you might have the worst team in the world, you know, win the World Series next, next time around. But there again, that's just some of those things that uh, as a Christian, I always, we look at history through the, or we will look at the things around us by what we think about with God, right? And so that was just some of the things that uh, I saw in reflection. But here we see that Isaiah, he's looking at all these things and he's seeing these people uh, channeling, and we mentioned that last week, politicians doing that, calling people back from the dead and all this. And we're seeing the more advice the government gives us, the deeper we're getting into trouble. The more the, um, the, the American Medical Association and the psychological organization is talking about straightening us out, the more corrupt we become. It's just how sad. We know not at what we stumble. And of course, they are driven into darkness. They love darkness rather than light. And we mentioned last week that uh, song, Darkness, My Old Friend. Uh, here we see that, uh, that 
Isaiah is talking, and last week we looked at the promise that God had that no matter how dark it was, the Lord was coming, the light of the world. And we saw how that uh, in Naphtali, in Zebulun, that was uh, where Nazareth was. And Naphtali, that's where Canaan and the major um, thrust of the Lord's ministry was, excuse me, in um, Galilee, uh, the the, the, uh, Galilean area would be where the Lord preached and that was predicted. And then we saw how that in Matthew chapter four, that this was a direct, and Matthew even credits that this was a direct uh, fulfillment of the scripture of Isaiah. That this was the light. This was the light that God promised that it was gonna come. And we know back in chapter seven, as we looked at the evangelistic passage there, where that it would be a virgin that would bring forth. And that sets forth the whole basis of the doctrine of the New Testament of the virgin-born Son of God who would come to deliver us from our sins. And so we saw in chapter, in the, the rest of the verses through, through, three through um, six or three through five, we see that the Midian was going to be wiped out by the Assyrians. And it was going to be a, a slaughter. And uh, he likens that into what's going to happen, of course, when the Lord Jesus comes in judgment. And Isaiah did not separate the first coming from the second coming. And you can imagine what it must have been like for a a person in the Old Testament to say, wait a minute, if he's going to be Nazareth and Galilee, that's that's the far north. And yet Micah 5.2 tells us that he was going to be born in Bethlehem. That's south. Now, where's the Lord coming? I mean, is he, I mean, the Messiah. And then he tells us that he's going to be the conquering king but yet he tells us he's going to be the suffering Messiah. We don't understand that. And you can imagine how upset they were and, and or, or how confused they were. And many of the writings between Malachi and Matthew, 400 year gap there, their rabbis are saying there must be two, two messiahs. There must be a suffering Messiah and there must be a conquering Messiah. But by the time the Lord Jesus came, the Pharisees, they didn't want anything to do with that suffering Messiah. They were looking forward to conquer Rome. And even John said, are, thou the, are you the Messiah or do we look for another? John didn't know. And yet the Lord tells us that, uh, that a man born of woman, that's natural birth. There wasn't anybody greater than John the Baptist. But you and I, as Christians, going to the cross of Christ, know more about God's plan of salvation than Isaiah and John the Baptist did. We know that the Lord Jesus came first time to die on the cross for our sins. But we also know he's coming again to conquer the world. And I'm not worried about Armageddon as people, because I'm going to be seven years removed from Armageddon because God's going to come for his church first. And if you don't know what we're talking about, stick with us. We'd love for you to stay with us and just find out God's plan for the ages. But here we see that uh, we know more about the, the God's plan of redemption and what he did for us on the cross and how that he is coming again one day and he's going to rule in righteousness over not only the world, but the entire universe. And he's already ruling over the universe. But first of all, so we see then in the first uh, five verses, how the, the promise of God's first coming. And of course, the second coming when he's going to conquer the world. But then we see as he did in, uh, he gives us a little glimpse of his, uh, the Messiah 
as he did in chapter 7, verse 14, behold, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. And we see the, the major doctrine of the Lord Jesus coming, born of a virgin, born under the law. Now, why did, and this is interesting, why did the Lord, uh, why was it a woman? I always like to you know, kid my wife, you know, all the, my kids get all the good traits from me and the weak traits from her. No, it's just really the opposite because, um, because uh, it's been proved the sinful gene comes from the man, not from the woman. And so uh, us guys, folks, we're the problem. And that's the reason many of our many ladies think that, uh, you know, if it wasn't for the men, that the world would be perfect. But whatever. But, you know, there again, um, no, uh, God already knew that. And so uh, we see that it, was, it had to be born of a, a virgin because I would have passed on and I pass on my sins. And one of the things that's really humbling as a father is when you see your, your, your weaknesses in your children. And I'm sure his mother's too, because we're all sinful. But, uh, but here we see that uh, he was going to be born of a virgin. But then we see again that he is coming out and he's talking to and he's repeating himself. But he says unto us in verse six, unto us a child is born. So we see his nativity. Nativity means that where were you native? Where were you, where, you, where were you born? And so when we talk about the nativity today, we're, of course, it's so wrapped up with Christmas. That, uh, but that really, you have, if I ask you, uh, what is your nativity? I'm asking you, where were you born? And to, what, to, to whom you were born? And so we're all, we all have, have had our nativity. In fact, we have prenatal, you know, uh, care and all those things, because that all comes from the word nativity and native and whatever. And so we see that uh, his nativity, uh, to us a child is born. So we see that, uh, uh, and we see that where he was born. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, he says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet of you shall be bring for come forth to me the one to be the ruler in Israel who's going forth is from old. In other words, he's been around for a long time, uh, from, uh, even to everlasting. He'll be, a lo- he'll be around for a long time. And so we see that, uh, wait a minute, in the same passage, he just said that he was up north. But now he's saying he's going to be born down south. Do we understand what's going on? We do, but can you imagine living 600 years before this, before Christ, and trying to figure it out? So I don't have to know everything about the Lord's second coming. I mean, all I know is he's coming for me. Amen? I can't tell you what's going to happen in Russia, coming down to Iran. I can't tell you what's happening over in the Middle East now. Uh, I can tell you a little bit about it, and we know that God is going to deliver Israel some way, but I can't tell you what's going to happen next week in Persia, and, or which is Iran. I can't tell you what's going to happen with Egypt and with Russia and Ukraine. I, I just know that it's all working together because, and we know that man is working, is worse and worse, and the Lord says that, as, uh, as, in the days of Mo- as in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of man be. And he tells us what that day was back in Genesis chapter 6, that every imagination of the thoughts of man's hearts were only evil continually. And we're there today, folks, aren't we? 
I mean, you can't turn on the radio without, my wife and I sometimes will try to listen to something or she'll get a book on tape or whatever and she'll say, I can't find any, hardly find anything that doesn't have cursing or suggestive stuff in it. I mean, we're just wrapped up in it, aren't we? Every imagination of the the thoughts of man's hearts are only evil continually. We have to be careful as a pastor. I try to be very careful with my language because a double entendre, I can say something one way and, it, and because of the way it's taken in public, it can be ta- taken just the opposite. <clears throat> and so we're living in that age where just everything can be dirty. Just like God said it could be, it was to be. Who would have ever thought we would see some of the parades that we're seeing in front of children today in America. Back in and beginning, I remember watching the Donna Reed show one time. Boy, a long time ago. I mean, folks, Donna Reed, so for you younger people, she lived back about a few generations after Noah, but uh, you know, but, uh, <clears throat> but uh, it was a television show. And uh, I remember there was something, and, it was, and it should, of course it was supposed to be a comedy, but that was one time they were serious, and they had something about, about uh, a guy having um, uh, some type of material that he was passing out to kids. And oh, everybody came down on him. And boy, this was horrible. Well, today folks are passing it out in the libraries. They're passing it out in schools. I mean, we have mothers that are going to Congress and reading stuff and they're stopping them because they say that's pornography. And they say, yes, you're reading it in the schools and they don't even understand what they're doing. They're living in darkness and they're being drawn into darkness. Darkness, my old friend, I I love darkness. I was talking to my, and I won't name one of my children, you know who he is, but uh, he's out in the Western state now, progressive state, progressive city. He says, you know, Dad, it's kind of interesting. This the place out here, we're really growing real fast and everything. And there's a lot of people looking for churches. He said, you can go by. It's not like Belvedere and Detroit, where we were and other, where most, you know, it's really hard to drag people into church, but people are moving in. So they're, he says, it's amazing. But he says, I've got, I went to a church just recently and everything in the building was black. And you walk in and you feel like you're in a, those movies where he, I don't think he's ever been into one of those bars or whatever where they have the big dance into strobe lights and all that kind of stuff. But he says it's eerie and the whole stage is painted black and they do that because they have the strobe lights that they shoot down and, and all this stuff that is going all essential. Oh, he says, you feel like you're in a nightclub. And, they, and he says, and, and their preaching is horrible. The, the, and and folks, that's what Christianity is supposed to, and that's the same way that what was happening with Ahaz. Remember Ahaz? And he was bringing all this stuff into the temple. And the bad thing about it was that the people were coming to worship at the temple and they were so biblically illiterate that whenever they were talking about Jehovah God, they didn't know they were talking about other things. Folks, when people talk about Jesus today, the Bible says that in the last days, many false Christs will arise. And there's a lot of people that are worshiping false Christs out there today. I just heard recently, really out in that area where he was, I was reading there's a group of evangelists out there today and they call themselves strippers for Jesus. Isn't that great? I mean, and folks, there are people who believe that because they have no idea what the scripture's all about. You know, they... As that song again says, they 
the, the people kneel and pray to the, <coughs> to the neon gods they made. And we're living in that age today of people worshiping, not the God of the Bible, but the God of their own flesh. And he says that they love this darkness. They're being drawn into it. And so we see that the light came in this area and, or came and he came in the form of a babe. And isn't it interesting God did it? He knew the design, how to do it. Because if he came as a conquering king, I couldn't identify with that. If he came as a successful businessman, many of us couldn't identify with that. We'd be talking about the lifestyles of the rich and famous. But he came as a babe that didn't even have room to rent or have a, a stall or have anything but a stall. And isn't it interesting as we approach the Christmas season, thousands of people, millions of people will come around and they will reenact something that even children could understand with a baby and a straw manger and all the different things because the Lord knew exactly how to reach the highest and the lowest people with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so we see that the Lord Jesus knew that in darkness, he brought a great light and it came in the form of a child. A child, unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Now, the one that I, I titled this message, The Zeal of the Lord. Zeal is, uh, zeal, to be zealous, is also is very close uh, to the word jealous. And God says, my very name is jealous. Now, there's a, a godly jealousy. Obviously, if, if God is jealous and his name is jealous, there's a jealousy that comes from God. I am jealous over my wife. I mean, there are certain things that I want to do for her. But I'm, because of that, I love her. I'm zealous. Now, I, won't, I didn't tell her this. But maybe I should have. Uh, confession. I was in Sam's the other day, and I was picking up something for tonight to church. And I saw the flowers that were there. And I said, she loves pink. Those are pink roses. Those are so pretty. But I thought, but she wants to go Christmas shopping and I got to figure out, and I know what she's going to do. She loves to buy all these presents. So I'm going to have to save my money, so I won't buy them today. But you know, but, but, you know, but I want to do things for her. I just, I mean, she didn't ask for her money, but that's what I, I want to give. Love is giving, isn't it? Sorry, dear. But, uh, <laughs> but, but she had a good time that night, though. Well, she was buying all kinds of stuff. I'm going, oh, my, I'm sitting out in the car. I mean, so I'll get the car warm for us, dear. And she stayed in there another half hour. Oh, man. But, uh, you know, but there again, uh, 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 but, but uh, I'm jealous of her, but I'm zealous. I want, I want her to be happy. Don't, that's, and God, that, you know, God is jealous, but he wants me to be happy. But it's not like the world. God wants me to be happy. That doesn't mean you do what, he, you, what you want to do. It means that you do what he wants to do, and you will stumble over happiness as following him. Because in him is joy. He will, and so we see that... Um, that zealous, the zeal of the Lord did this. In other words, God wanted to do this. God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him, he won't force you. 
But whosoever believeth in him should not perish. He doesn't want you to go to hell. He created you for his glory. If you decide to go to hell, that's all you decide to do because he's not going to force you to love him. And love can't force anything. And you can't hurt somebody that you don't love. But you can hurt him because you don't love him. But, uh, but uh, there again, he can't hurt you. The more, that, the more that he does to get you to love him, the matter you get. And that's what will happen to the world today, isn't it? The more that we talk about the love of Christ, the more the world hates us. The more they hate God. Just listen to some of the things that are coming out. You have, a, as I mentioned, a declared Christian. And boy, the whole universe is coming down on top of that poor guy. I hope he survives. And I hope he is genuine what he says. But there again, I don't care what denomination or what you know, party they are. I just like the fact that some people say that, they're, you know, that they love the God of heaven. And boy, we need more of that. But here we see that, uh, that but God loves us. He's jealous. He, lo- he wants to protect you. He wants to watch over you. And yet he is zealous in that he wants the best for you too. And so we see that God so loved the world. What more can he, what more can he say than, than, he has, than he has said? What more can he give than he's already given? And that's, of course, Jesus who died on the cross for our sins. You say, well, how can he die for us all? Because he meant more to God the Father than all of us put together. And that's the reason that he could die. Of course, the Lord Jesus, he had a zeal for his Father. Because what did he say on earth? I do all things to what? Please my Father. I love him. I'm jealous over him. I love him. I'm zealous for him. So everything I do. So if I really love the Lord, whether I eat or drink or whatsoever I do, what do I do? I do for the glory of God. So if I really love him, I'm zealous for my Lord. And so that's that word jealous and zealous. They kind of, they blend in together. And so we see, first of all, his nativity. But then we see his authority. And his authority is that idea that government shall be upon his shoulder. It means that he controls everything. We know, we will see in the book of Colossians, as we say in Sunday school, uh, in him all things consist. He's a ruler over all. Um, his government shall never end. Uh, the idea of the, on the shoulder, he's the weight bearer. He's the weight bearing wall. Uh, as we mentioned before, that, uh, that uh, famous little uh, poem about uh, the footprints in the sand, there's only one set, of course, because he was carrying the idea that he could carry everything you need. He bears all of our burdens and he can carry the government of the world upon his shoulder. That's the idea of the government being upon his shoulder. And of course, he tells us he was the lineage of David. And again, Matthew chapter 1 opens up and tells us exactly that he came, that Joseph was from the king, so that gives him the legal. And then we see that over in the book of Luke chapter 3, that it wasn't, uh, it was still from the lineage of David, but not through the king, but through one of his sons named Nathan. You had to get away from Solomon for her. But uh, there again, just, uh, but there again, direct descendant on both sides of the family from the lineage of David. And so, and of course, he will establish justice and judgment. We look at our court systems today and we look at, oh, what a farce, what a political action committee so many of our courts are today. But there's one day, justice. And of course, when there's true justice, there will be peace. And the 
And of course, the Lord Jesus is peace. In fact, Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, Jesus, our peace. He is our peace. Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And you will find rest or peace for your souls. And so, of course, his, and this will be forever. This is the light, folks. One day you're going to live forever. Where are you going to live? You're going to live with him or against him? But then, of course, his identity. We want to look at that very quickly in the time that we have. His names. Notice not names, but as we said last week, name encompasses everything about a person. Uh, when, I, when I say um, my good name, then that means that I want it to be a good name. I hope that there's nothing that would desecrate my name or whatever. In the same way with you, I mentioned uh, there are certain people that I'm glad I don't have their last name. I'm glad my name is not Judas. You know, there's a couple other people. I'm, I'm glad, glad my last name is not Hitler. There was, I saw back in, uh, uh, there was actually a cereal in Minnesota that was manufactured in the 30s from a Hitler family. They changed it, you know, of course, because they didn't want to be identified with that. I'm glad my name's not Saul, Saul, Stalin or a few others because just the things that are associated with it. But so whenever we talk about the name of Jesus, we're incorporating all these things. His name shall be wonderful. And we get tired, of, we, we're so used to the word, it's kind of like awesome. Everybody uses awesome. Nobody knows what awesome, awesome is common now. I mean, if you're just a little above average, you're awesome. But the idea, the word wonderful, is the idea that it's something so big that only God can explain it. And so what, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? I mean, how big is this guy? What can he do? I mean, what, who is he? Who is this guy to part the, the oceans and let us walk across on dry land? I mean, he's wonderful, isn't he? He's big. There's nothing that my God can't do. We love that little song, my God is so big and he's so mighty. There's nothing my God can't. Well, that means he's wonderful. And so we see his name is wonderful. And we see that in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 18, he'll say to whom uh, uh, will you liken to the God? Or what likeness will you compare him? He's wonderful. They're so big, you can't, you can't even describe, you can't compare him to anything here on earth. And of course, that gives us the purpose of life. There's something bigger for us to live for than ourselves. There's something bigger out there in the universe. You know, back in World War II, uh, the, the, there was a phenomenon that happened in London whenever the German planes were bombing in London. And all of a sudden, they were realizing they were going to be invaded. And one of the great, one of the things that really just surprised so many doctors was amazing how many people that were ill from middle diseases, they, they emptied out a lot of their places of chronic disease because they had something bigger to live for. And they were willing to fill sandbags and everything else. And many of them didn't need to go back because they had something bigger to live for than just, just themselves. And folks, one of the big problems we have today is we're trying to be self-aware. And, and folks, the more deeper I get into who I am, the more I don't like myself. How about you? Because I realize I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And so the more that we become aware of who we are, the more guilt 
that comes on us. And one of the things that psychologists cannot, cannot remove is guilt. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can do that. I love that song, gone, 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 gone. Yes, my sins are gone. In the sea of God's forgetfulness, that's good enough for me. My sins are gone by the blood of the lamb because a son was given, a child was born who was willing to die on the cross for me. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, oh, the, not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Only God can forgive sin. So the more self-aware I become, the more I realize that really, I'm not much. And I start comparing myself with others and they're not much either. And we're just a bunch of hopeless people drowning in our own pity becoming victims of everything except the victims of grace that could save us from it all. And so we see that God wants us to live for him. Those counselor, only that directs, that he's a, he will guide us in the paths of life. We know, we, many of you, I didn't put this down, but to Proverbs, five and, uh, three and, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, that's, many people love that verse. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And what will he do? He will direct thy paths. He will counsel you in the way that you should go. And that's what we see in Psalm 73 again. He says, and he will guide me with his counsel and afterward receive me up into glory. So folks, uh, the best thing that happen is God leads me in the, through, the path, through the valley of the shadow of death and teach me not to fear evil because one day I'm going to be with him forever. So he directs the paths of life. Of course, he's the mighty God. And of course, we know that uh, even Thomas said, my Lord and my God, that Jesus Christ was. But uh, we see that he has the power to ex execute his will. When God says something, it says, tells you to do something, he puts his omnipotence behind it. There's nothing my God can't do. Well, there's nothing you can't do in the power of God that we're in his will. What did Paul say? I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I'll do whatever God wants me to do if I'm in the counsel of his will. And so, uh, as Hudson Taylor said, when you're in the will of God, doing, uh, doing the work of God, your will now omnipotent until God takes you home. And that's true, isn't it? And so we see as we are at walk with the Lord, there's nothing that he can't do. And even the bad things work out for our good. So he says he takes care of the problems of life. And so he is not only the counselor, but he puts his power behind it. One of the bad things about counseling, and we're hearing more about counseling today than we are preaching. The one of the frustrating things about, about counseling is that you can counsel with people and make them feel pretty good, but they never do what you want to in the first place. It's the power of the preaching of the cross as the Holy Spirit takes that word and changes that person from within. I can deal with the mind all, and you can deal with somebody's mind all you want to, but until the Spirit of God changes that heart, they're still the same person they were until the transforming power of the Holy Spirit works in their lives. 
And so, so he takes care of the prayer. And then everlasting father. People say, wait a minute, how can it be the son and everlasting father? That again is position. We saw the firstborn means position rather than chronology in Sunday school. And whenever you're the firstborn, that means that God has given you or that the Abraham gave to his secondborn the, the lineage. He gave him the double portion as well as the spiritual welfare of the family on Esau was disqualified. And so we see that, uh, that, uh, that Jacob became the spiritual leader of the family in the same way. Uh, well, we can get into that, but we're running out of time. But uh, we see that uh, the idea that he is the, uh, that he is the um, <coughs> everlasting, everlasting father is the fact that Jesus treats us like a father, doesn't he? Even though he's our firstborn among our brethren, yet uh, he has a fatherly care for us. He says, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. Which of you, being fathers, know how to give good gifts to your children? How much more do I know how to give gifts to those who love me? Does God, Jesus Christ act like a father? Yes, he's my big brother, and if you want to start talking about spiritually speaking, but he's also a fantastic father figure in my life. And so, but he reflects the father so much that I can't tell the difference between the father and the son many times. Well, that's, the whole, that's the Trinity. Where does one end and the other begin? And then, of course, uh, not only the everlasting father, but here he is. How can he be father and son? So this is the idea of them working together. The Prince of Peace. And again, Paul told Timothy, Jesus is our peace. And of course, he lives his peace, the peace I live with you. And my peace I give unto you. And so only the world is crying, peace, peace. But as Isaiah says, there is no peace. Outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, you love darkness rather than light. And so we see his sovereignty as he goes on his kingdom. He says, having known uh, the mystery of his will, according to the good pleasure which he purposed in himself, the purpose of which he works all things to the counsel of his will, that we uh, who first trusted in Christ shall be, shall be to the praise of his glory. Paul told the Corinthians that the counsel of his will, it is God's good pleasure to save you. It is God's good pleasure to direct you. It is God's good pleasure to hold the whole world in his hand. And so we see his sovereignty, but also to as many as received him, to them gave the authority, the power to be called children of God. Are you a child of God this morning? It's not because anything that you did, it's because what he did and what he has proclaimed. I could put on a Chicago Bear uniform. I wouldn't want to let's go with somebody at winter. No, but anyway, I could put on any uniform that you would like. And I could tell you all the thing about football and everything else. But I go out there and get out there on Soldier Field today and say, I want to play. Guess what? Take a hike, guy. Uh, you know, uh, you're violating our space. Uh, security guard, come get this guy. Why? I don't have the authority to be called a child, a Chicago Bear because I don't have all the higher-ups proclaiming that I'm, a child, that I'm a Chicago Bear. 
But so there's a lot of people out there calling themselves Christians today. A lot of false Christs out there. A lot of false evangelists out there. All kinds of things that are going on. They call themselves children of God. But God one day is going to say to them what? Depart from me for I never knew you. But Lord, we cast out demons and all kinds of other things. But you never knew me. And so it is he that gives you the authority to be called the child of God. Let me ask you. By God's authority, do you know you're a child of God? Have you accepted him as your personal savior? It's not because you decided to become a child of God. No, it's because he decided that you can be a child of God. He gives you access to the Father. He says, come in. Knock on whosoever will open the door. I will come in and sup with him and he with me. But you've got to open the door. And allow him in. And we see in Isaiah chapter 55, another one of those great passages. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for it, he will abundantly, there's that zealousness of God. He wants to forgive you. He zealously wants to forgive you and to bring you into his kingdom. And the angels in heaven will rejoice rejoice over one sinner that comes to repentance. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to go to heaven. He wants you to have eternal life. He wants you to have fellowship with the brethren. That's the zeal of the Lord. That is what he has performed. And this is what he's done. He came to earth for you to do, to have that blessing. Do you know him? Isn't it a great blessing to know that you know that you're a child of God this morning? If you don't, then the access to him is open to you today. Whosoever will may come. Let the church, that's, the, that's us, or let the bride and, the, and the, let, the, uh, uh, let the bride and the groom say come. Of course, that's the last passage of the Bible where God says, let, the, let, him, let, let him come. And so here we are, the bride of Christ. We're the church. And we're saying, come to him. Come to him. Have what we have. We're not, we, we don't have a corner on the market. It's whosoever will may come. Come to know him as your personal savior. And, but you must come, notice how he says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man even his thoughts. Just as I am without one plea. But that thy blood was shed for me. I come to thee, Lord Jesus. Do you know him as your personal savior? Do you have access? Do, by his authority, are you called a child of God? The zeal of the Lord, he wants you to know him. He wants you to be his child. But it's up to you to accept it. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord, for the great desire that you have that everyone within the sound of our voice this morning would know you. As you would call them through your word this morning, you're not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. But Lord, it must be on your terms and we realize that. And oh, Father, we thank you for the fact that we can know that we have eternal life, not by our authority, but by the authority of your word and your promises that those who come into you come into you you will in no wise cast out 
Father, if there's someone within the sound of our voice this morning who is on their own way, they've rejected you, may they see the light of the world this morning. May they turn from their way and accept you unconditionally on your terms. Realizing that they're sinners in need of the grace of God and that they would turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto the light of the world. Oh Lord, bless us as a church, not materially, although we need it, but Lord, that the light would shine through and that the light would shine in darkness and many will see it in fear and trust you. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.